Allow us to take a journey trip into our minds where constant conscious conspiracies is what you'll find. Because see, this is only the unified version of the BBC podcast where BB is Brian Barnett and the other half is Blake Burton, you dig? Where we have topics that might frighten you, but are only here to enlighten you as two of Seattle's brightest dudes ignite the truth and then just do it like the Nike swoosh. So again, we cordially invite you to the BBC podcast, Blake Burton and Brian Barnett Conspiracies. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the BBC podcast. This is a very special episode. We're actually recording on a Halloween day. I'm here with my man, Brian, my co-host. Hey, how you doing? Appreciate you guys for having me. My name is Brian. And uh, we also have two very special guests in the building. We, I'll let you introduce yourself, your what your costume is, and uh, yeah. start with Blackskin or AJ or how, yeah. whatever you want to be called. Multiple names here. <laughs> <laughs> so musically, I'm Blackskin. I tell people I'm AJ, but my real name's Ajane, and uh, I'm Joe Dirt today, man. Uh, the freshest Joe Dirt you've ever seen. Look at these mm. bad boys right here. Mm. Oh, Joe man. Dirt, mm. but Joe Clean at the same time. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> then we got Kyle. <laughs> I'm Kyle. Uh, I, I am dressed, well, I was dressed as Gimli yesterday. Oh, show him your hat real quick. Okay. Your yeah. helmet. Sorry, yeah, I don't it's a helmet. It's a helmet, <laughs> but like, I don't think it would protect me. Oh. At all from anything. It's very <laughs> floppy. But I can't wear it with headphones, right? So it doesn't fucking... I can swear, right? I already yes, did. Yes, sir. <laughs> and, 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 and you're in a you're in a Seattle band, correct? Yeah, I'm in a Seattle band uh, called Apology Wars. Just played a show last night, and that's where I lost my beard. So I'm just oh. ba- like I'm doing like the Gimli, but a high school reboot. Very like nice. Like Dragon Ball Z Evolutions. And I'm supposed to be. Uh, I don't even know his name. That's so embarrassing. Whatever. Yeah. What is Samuel Jackson's name in Pulp Fiction? Motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> I'm, I'm motherfucker. <laughs> so I unfortunately could not grow facial hair, so I found a, a mustache that was supposed to be a cop mustache at Spirit Halloween store. And great it, store. And it worked out great. I got some mutton chops on the side right here. Very lovely. And um, Brian, what, what are you supposed to be? Um. Well, you know, I'm. Uh, at first I was going to be The Rock. You know, from that photo with the uh, with the turtle with the turtleneck and the fanny pack, but uh, yeah, I'm just a black author. You know, what I'm saying I'm just uh, your boys every day. You know what I mean? So, uh, just a spiritual influencer, artist, and uh, writer. And you have a very Thanks. nice beard. I wish I could grow something like that. Stop. You give me that Corbin blue hair. We swap. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. By the way, Jules Winfield. That's the name of Samuel Jackson's character. How, I, that's such a rem, like remember memorable name. I don't know yeah, like, I just remember that he, he spent most of the time asking people if he looked like a bitch. Yeah, and and you know, maybe that was his and name. yelling and pointing that yeah. big ass gun. Do you remember when he <laughs> shot that kid in the back seat? Yeah, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Phil Lamar. <laughs> but basically, this is a very serious episode. Ser- very serious. Okay, straight face. <laughs> very. Very serial. I'm serious. We're talking about serial killers, man. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, this episode's all about feeling no fact, except maybe a little bit of fact. We each uh, did research on our own serial killers that intrigued us. Before we actually get into uh, which serial killers, I just want to understand your guys' backgrounds on <coughs> why you actually wanted to be on this uh, podcast. I'll start with Brian on uh, why we decided to do a serial killer episode. 
Um, I think we decided to do a serial killer episode because um, that's an important story to tell, you know what I mean? And uh, not only just for the people, the parties involved, but also just to kind of dive into the mind of what kind of pushes somebody to that uh, to that extreme, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, just an important story to tell and uh, you know, what better of a day to do it? Hell yeah. And we've been actually planning on doing this for like, we've had the BBC podcast for almost two years now. I know the NAS podcast has been over two years, so the BBC podcast is coming up on the two year mark too. And like this is like we wanted to do this episode for like a long ass time, and no yeah. no better than to do with some friends, you know. Yeah. So uh, what is what is your uh, experience with serial killers or your reasoning um, behind wanting to be on this episode? I just like I like like people's minds, you know, and like how they tick, how they work, and then I also like to just look at like the lack of care of like the law system and just mm. how bad it is because there's a lot of stories where it's like the answers are right there in front of you and any like normal person off the street will be like that guy did it but the cops are like who knows man you know? <laughs> so it's like but yeah just like people's minds and just like the lack of care for 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 people is very baffling to me and i like to just like figure out try and figure out why you yeah. know i know we'll never actually figure out why but kind of have an idea of why people think certain ways dude know? it's so crazy like when you watch like serial killer documentaries and interviews they're like literally like laughing at the interviewer you think that's why we did it you fucking yeah. stupid idiot it'd be so <laughs> weird <laughs> it's like no i needed their blood <laughs> for a blood of needed it for a reason okay <laughs> you think it has to do with jesus or something no no, no i want the blood <laughs> So, Kyle, what's your uh, reasoning for being on this episode? I Well, my reasoning for being on this episode is because I listened to you do an uh, interview with my friends in Cashin' and Karma and try to bait them into saying the N-word. And I was like, <laughs> man, I really want to go on there <laughs> and show how good I am at resisting that bait. Um, <laughs> that I did. That I did. <laughs> Uh, but specifically serial killers, um, uh, my mom is a psychologist oh, and, shit. um, I've always been fascinated with, with how it goes wrong. Uh, I, I also feel like a lot of the times, like th true crime is a huge fucking industry right now. Uh, and I think a lot of it stems from just, just people coming from a place of like, I want to understand it so I can fear it less, mm. you know? Um, but I've always been really, really fascinated by that interplay between nature, nurture, upbringing versus, you know, mental illness mm. and whether or not those things are inter interrelated, what effect they have on each other. And, you know, I'm, I'm a mental health advocate. Like, that's one of my things that I try to do uh, through my platform, because if you have one, use it for something. Right. Um, and so. It, it, as a person who has a number of mental illnesses and and a lot of the fact that you know schizophrenia and things like that have I don't have schizophrenia personally but I have several friends who do um, I see a lot of uh, uh, serial killers just being blamed like for having mental illnesses or things like that and a lot of the times there is a story you know that yeah. makes sense as to why they are the way they are sometimes it's like you know their brain was put in upside down but other times it's like no they had a terrible mother or they, they had really, really bad abuse happening when they were children. And it fascinates me, and I, and I love telling stories about it like that. Hell yeah. Mm. Well, let's get into it. I'll start with my serial. It's actually a duo, which is pretty interesting. Um, Oli, I'll have you switch to, here we go. Look at my beautiful mustache. I actually grew this one. I didn't get it from Party City. 
Actually, I didn't get it from Party Spirit. No, I got it from, you got it from Spirit. Spirit Halloween. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so basically, um, there's a <laughs> there's a few reasons behind my serial killers. The first thing was, um, I'm not. I like stereotypes. I think they're funny. You know, they can be hurtful. But I didn't really know any black serial killers. So, mm. Yeah, you know. So I was like, let me look up some black serial killers, and it turned out there was a duo from Tacoma, or they spent some time in Tacoma at least. And those guys are John oh, Allen Muhammad and Lee Boyd Malvo. I and heard about the second guy. I've heard that name Yeah, before. this is yeah. actually a very crazy story. Um, and I, I hope for listeners that I don't butcher it. It's 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 kind of crazy when you look into serial killers that like, You'll, you'll watch one video or one documentary and then a whole another documentary will take a whole different approach and then the movie will take another approach and then a podcast and then like so I've there's so much information I've been learning about these guys I honestly don't know what is true or what is not because I feel like like we were saying we don't really understand the minds of a serial killer so a lot of people are like saying this is why they did this you know and they're like so like someone one person might say them robbing a store led to them doing this or someone might say they were already like this before robbing a store or whatever, right? So basically, this guy, John Allen Muhammad, was born John Allen Williams. This black guy, um, he was actually like a very loving family man, had kids, his kids were his life. I am but- I forget where he grew up, mm-hmm. but he uh, went into the military, got stationed in uh, Tacoma, because Seattle's actually a huge military uh, state. And and huge serial killers. Yeah. State, city <laughs> in general. <laughs> so basically, loving husband, loving father, went off to war, came back, was diagnosed with PTSD PTSD in like early 2000s, right? And it just like flipped a switch in his brain where like he just started being like abusive to his wife. Once again, I'm and there's so much stuff I'm skipping over, like the fact that like he like bought like an auto body shop. He was like really actually big into the community and like people actually liked him, you know. Mm. Um, but it, he just flipped his switch and he started being abusive to his wife. His wife filed for divorce, and um, basically she was going to take custody of him. So <laughs> this is crazy, but he kidnapped his kids, took them to Jamaica oh, from Tacoma. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> crazy far his wife he literally picked him up from school one day and just took him to jamaica and his parent his, his wife was like where the hell are my kids couldn't find them for months right the only reason how the, the authorities found him was he moved to jamaica and was making like fake ids and documents for people to leave jamaica and stuff mm-hmm. like that so that's how he was making all his money and while he was down there um he met this kid this is so crazy so john allen williams or muhammad is like 20 years older than his accomplice, Lee Boy Malvo, mm. who he met when he was 15 years old, right? So 15 years old, the the he met him in Jamaica. Um, Lee Boy Malvo's background is that his mom was abusive and would straight up like move school, make him move schools through Jamaica like every couple months, like literally just drop him out of a different a different school and then like just bail, wouldn't see him for months. So very abusive, just was never in his life, and that he didn't have his father, right? So he was desperately, like, in need of, like, a father figure, a mother figure, just someone to show that they cared about him. And then one way or another, he met up with um, John Allen Muhammad. Um, He actually got to know, like, the kids, his kids and all that. And basically, John Allen Muhammad got caught with the fake IDs, 
had to get back, move back to the U.S., brought Lee Boyd Malvo with him with, un, with under, like, fake documentation. So he was, like, an illegal immigrant. Mm. Um, when he got back to the U.S., uh, his wife actually got full custody of the kids. Of course. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no coming back from that, It happens right? when you kidnap them, right? <laughs> yeah. And at that point, like, his kids were his life, right? So, like, had PTSD, lost his marriage completely lost his kids like a restraining order couldn't even visit it even couldn't even talk to his kids on the phone Damn. so that was like the last like snapping yeah, point lost for him. His shit after yeah. that. yeah had no idea where his wife moved to right and um he would like call he, he, he like called different school districts and stuff until he found out that his kids were going to a school in maryland maryland right mm. but before that he was actually living in tacoma again with lee boyd malvo who was 15 at the time enrolled him in bellingham high school actually <laughs> okay so yeah so they actually they have some history in the washington area and uh during that time he when he snapped even further he and lee boyd malvo was very impressionable he had him go to the shooting range every day after school so he got used to sniping and shooting and things like that had him play like violent video games which like a lot of doctors would say wouldn't make someone desensitized but he forced him to play like violent video games watch movies had him get this mindset of like him against the world he became a huge fan the kid became a huge fan of like the matrix and that just like you against the machine type deal right so he just completely desensitized this kid to the point that like he uh he had the kid kill uh a neighbor in tacoma Mm. that had testified against um, John Muhammad when he was trying to get his kids back. So, oh. but he accidentally shot like the niece of the woman at the house instead. And then mm. like John was like, "It's okay. At least it's one murder. No one even, no one will know who it is, right?" Mm. So, kid shot someone. They eventually found out that so they had like two, two to three murders in the Washington area. Found out that the wife had moved to Maryland. It's kind of skeptical. Like, we don't know for sure if this is the reason, but from the understanding is that he moved to Maryland to kind of, like, scare his wife into giving the kids back by, like, killing people. Mm. And either it was kind of, like, his goal to, like, kill his wife or something like that. That's kind of up in the air. But basically, they just, they just went on a massacre of, like, for, like, two years straight, he, ta- he, like, desensitized the kid who was 17 when they actually started the massacre. They do like bank ro- They do like yeah, like little grocery store robberies and stuff, and eventually um, moved to Maryland. They bought a blue Caprice, and if you want to watch the movie, it's called Blue Caprice. Terrible mm-hmm. movie. I'm gonna be honest. Okay. It's maybe, a <laughs> maybe <I won't. laughs> it's a um, Sundance movie, film okay. festival movie. And oh, like, okay. I'm actually usually really disappointed in those movies for some reason. Oh. I feel like they, it's more. They, I think like they count for more for like the. The camera angles and like the cinematography versus the acting. Gotcha. Because most uh, yeah, well the budgets are low. Yeah. So, so I watched the movie last night. I was like, oh, this is terrible. Like they just completely went over everything, and it's like they added different characters even. But basically, they bought a blue Caprice, and what they did was they sawed a a hole, like right, I think it was above the license plate. Oh, right. Yeah, this is why I know what this is. I've heard this one before. Yeah. So basically, they uh, the kid was like a like literally trained to be like a sniper from the um, John who was in the military right and what they would do was like we're gonna strike fear in the hearts of just everyday citizens so they like they like they gutted the interior of this blue caprice so like John would be in the front seat 
he'd be able to lean back, pull the back seat completely down, and then the kid would roll into the back of the trunk and like snipe people from the trunk and just have like the muzzle hanging outside of the little hole that they put in the trunk. That's nuts. Yeah, so they were like, like this is like an, it took place in October, like 2002. Jesus. What they would do is they would just go to completely random locations and they would just like snipe random people. Like one day they sniped like five people. One time someone was just filling up gas, another time they were getting groceries, you know, someone crossing the street, completely random kids mothers moms dad and i said mothers and moms <laughs> you know women they, they literally shot a kid yeah. you know bus drivers it didn't matter who it was and during this whole time like it just completely like struck struck fear in like the washington dc area including washington because they were from they had spent some time in washington and like we no no one had any idea like how long this was going to last what to look for to the point they'd be like people would see like a white van near the crime scene and be like, oh, it was a white van. So for like a few weeks, they were like looking solely for like white vans, not even thinking it was like a caprice or something like that. Mm-hmm. So like no one had any idea what to look for. And the only reason they got caught because the, the guys literally got sloppy. They would call into the hotlines and be like, we're the ones who did it. But no one would believe them because the hotline would just be packed with like hundreds of thousands of people calling in and being like, it's a white van. I think mm-hmm. I saw the person over here, over there. So they like got fed up that no one believed it was them because they kind of wanted the credit even though they were hiding a trunk, which is weird, right? Wow. So they'd call hotlines. They even called up a priest. Like, they got really sloppy, which um, I was talking to Riker, who, like, manages, like, Django. I don't know if you know yeah. Django. Mm-hmm. Um, out of Spokane. And she was saying something about, like, your, your mind starts to deteriorate when you just kill, like, citizens versus when you're in war, you know, you're fighting the enemy. But, like, if you're an no- everyday citizen and, like, you're just killing someone that's a harmless person, Especially if it's something like just walking on the street. You have no idea who these people are. Yeah. It just probably just does them into your mind. Yeah. So they got sloppy. They'd snipe people. They'd rob grocery stores. They started leaving freaking notes with their handprints on oh it. Oh, my God. They left, like, bullet casings. See what clout does? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So they literally, like, got <laughs> themselves caught. Wow. And then um, they, they finally found out what car it was and the license plate. They pulled into a, um, like, rest stop, fell asleep. Some guy happened to hear it on the radio. He was in the rest stop. He's like, oh, shit, that's them. Called the police. The police came, like, within, like, two hours. So the guy had to, like, wait in the parking lot for two hours while these guys were asleep at the rest stop. (laughs) Fucking, like, the SWAT came in, like, gassed the car, arrested them. It's craziness. And the the most insane part to me, I think, is that the kid was the one who shot. Like, John Allen Muhammad never killed any. Like, he probably did kill people, but during this shooting spree... He had the kid do all the killing, and then it. Well, from my understanding, like in the in the case, he tried to use that, being like, "I'm not guilty. I didn't kill anyone." Wow. So like he blamed it all on the kid. In 2009, actually though, because um, he was like the mastermind behind it, he was sentenced to the death penalty. He was killed, executed, like lethal injection, mm. and then um, the kid, 17, wasn't 18, so they just sent they sentenced him to like 18 consecutive like life sentences without parole. <laughs> You know, but um, when you're talking, not like concurrent, just like yeah. actually consecutive. Yeah, he's Fuck. he's he's. Oof. But like how you were saying, like people, you know, saying like blaming on like mental illness and stuff like that. They tried to use that in the in the case, but there was just too much information. They literally like had journals of what they were gonna do. Mm-hmm. Like 
they literally like changed. It's not like they just walked up and shot someone random. It was a random person, but they had a fucking car that they built for the case. Like yeah, everything like was, was just too planned of premeditation. out. Yeah, they just wanted they wanted to cause chaos and they wanted. Like, he obviously wanted his kids back, but I don't think that's how you go about doing it. I think at know? a certain point it yeah. stopped being about that. And then full screen again, by the way. Right? Yeah. Like, it's... I thought the movie was going to explain stuff, but the movie kind of just, like... It just completely shit on the whole thing. It was wow. terrible, huh. in my opinion. But it was it was crazy to do research and just see, like... How, I, I've never seen someone like turn like a kid into like a super I guess like in Africa you know yeah. <laughs> and shit like that or but, yeah, suicide bombers and stuff like that but that's insane yeah. that like you just the guy was like in his 40s and just found some like teen that was impressionable and had him become desensitized and just like go on a sh- killing spree mm-hmm. but that guy was also in the military before though yeah yeah so, so he had he, PTSD yeah he, he probably had like he probably took a lot of the training methods mm-hmm. of the military to do what he did to that kid to like really desensitize him to that type of shit. Like that that's insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean the military, like, their whole training strategy is like erasing somebody's personality and then putting a new one in mm-hmm. by just continuously debasing them over the period of however long, you know, the drill drill period is, the boot yeah. camp period is. And, you know, it works. I yeah. mean, you know, it was created by the U.S. government, and they're pretty fucking good at it. <laughs> yeah. mm. Anything you want to add, Brian? You have a military family, right? Yeah, yeah, no. But, I mean, I so, like, I can uh, not necessarily understand, but I, I do see a lot of kind of, like, what everybody's already said, you know, just to echo it, because, um, yeah, you know, I think oftentimes, like, you know, when you kind of go without, you know, you just try to find that, like, like I've heard it before, but it's kind of like this idea that's like what we didn't have as kids, like kind of made us like not crazy, but, you know, like we yearn for those things. So, like, for example, for this uh, young man to not necessarily have that like familial relationship or, you know, kind of have that bond in that way, you know, you'll find that in really anybody, you know, it'll, it'll make you kind of. Uh, I think like not necessarily look at the red flags a lot of times, but you know, you create what they call like a trauma bond, you know, Mm -hmm. and it sounds like at least in a situation like this, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, uh, this older dude, you know, he was able to kind of prey on this young man in that way and kind of see in what ways he'd be able to emotionally and mentally manipulate him into uh, maybe making, um, you know, their names are kind of like skip my mind right now, but I think Malvo, I think, was that the older gentleman? So John Muhammad was the older man, Lee Uh Boyd Malvo. So let's just say Muhammad and Malvo. Okay, yeah. So basically just, you know, same, you know, same deal of like, yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like the kid, you know, he was easily preyed on, you know what I mean? And I think, uh, you know, predators come in, in those kind of ways like that, especially with the institution like the military behind that, uh, you know, behind John like that. Like, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, that shit's just crazy because, um, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's just as well. But, yeah. It was crazy they spent time in Tacoma, too. Yeah. Um, I think also, like, if you think about it, the dude, the older dude, like, that could there could have actually been some sort of like bond between him and the kid being that he lost his kids too yeah you know what i'm saying like so i mean yeah i mean is he really i mean he had ptsd but can we like really say that you know he was way out of it by building a bond with some kid because he lost his kids you know what i'm saying yeah like in the movie at least i don't know how true it was in like real life but in the movie they um, like halfway through um, the kids started calling him dad mm. you know yeah that makes sense 
it, yeah. it yeah it feels like they were really building like like the you and I against the world kind of thing yeah, yeah. It, it's very isolating and it's it's also like once you create that level of dependency like I I now have we now have the experiences together that nobody can know about you know and that just fucking makes the bond even stronger yeah. and and you know yeah. once you're in it you know you might as well keep going I yeah. guess it's, it's a it, it's re- that's really fascinating that's a really fascinating case yeah it completely just caused chaos throughout Washington D.C. when that where that took place yeah. like just a ima- like people would like didn't know if they wanted to take their kids to school because it literally went from just random like adults to kids you know mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like people would get in gas people would like either hide in their back seat or like like under the car door you know while they're mm-hmm. getting gas and stuff like you just didn't want to go out like it happened for a month straight yeah. that is why it's, it's coming from a fucking car too so it's like you would never expect a sniper to be shooting yeah. you from a car like yeah. that's yeah. crazy just yeah. snipe someone and then drive off yeah you know? like you built like a custom car to snipe people from yeah, yeah. that's wild yeah. so let's get in let's get into yours brian okay totally um so yeah, mine. Uh, it's uh, Richard Ramirez. Um, he was known as uh, yeah, the <laughs> LA Night Stalker, and um, you know, n- not gonna start necessarily anywhere specifically, but I'll probably just start with his origin, and we'll just kind of, you know, jump all over because it's such a it's such a wild story. But oh, um, basically, Richard Ramirez. So he was born uh, February 29th, nineteen sixty. He was born in El Paso, Texas, and uh, he was actually uh, the youngest of five kids. So uh, that is that'll be pretty important coming back around. And uh, long story short, I mean, his, uh, you know, we talk about that uh, nature versus nurture, you know, his uh, home upbringing was actually apparently just awful, you know, a ton of mental and emotional abuse. He was doing drugs at uh, age nine. He was doing, uh, you know, smoking, uh, smoking weed and stuff and whatnot. And really just, you know, while the brain was still developing, uh, you know, not only just exposed to a very, like, adverse and kind of harsh environment in the beginning, but also like, uh, you know, not necessarily supplementing it the best way also, you know, and I think trying to really escape blank at such an early age, which is like uh, probably just like a very, uh, very self-aware, like he was very self-aware at a young age, which can be pretty dangerous too. So like, you know, that is kind of crazy as well. But uh, basically what I think a lot of people might not talk about when it comes to him is really kind of how it all started. And uh, for him, he had an older cousin, and since he didn't uh, necessarily have the strongest bond with his family, uh, he had made this bond with his older cousin who uh, was in the military, you know, really big into things like that. And uh, when he, when that older cousin came back from Vietnam, so this is around that time as well, when he came back from Vietnam, he would show uh, like a young Richard um, like tons of photos and uh, tell him tons of stories about how like in Vietnam, you know, how they would essentially treat the women over there. You know, they would, uh, you know, beat them and, you know, sexually assault them, tie them up to trees, all that kind of jazz. And he would come back and then tell all these stories to like a very impressionable uh, Richard at this young age. So it's kind of, you know, very, it's kind of crazy, you know, how a lot of times, you know, it may really be the people around you who can see what you're lacking in and try to fill that void for you, except fill it with something that, uh, you know, I don't even think they're aware of at that time, how like kind of volatile that can be. Mm-hmm. So, and as I'm saying, you know, he's basically telling them, yeah, man, you know, we're doing all this stuff to these women, essentially just creating the idea in Richard's mind that uh, women are just these objects, you know what I mean? And of mm-hmm. course, it's funny that there is kind of this, uh, you know, militant background kind of showing up again, you know, that's, uh, you know, kind of supporting a lot of 
why the uh, older cousin, his name is Mike, is kind of feeding these stories into Richard like this. And, you know, Richard is like listening to this and he's like, wow, that's crazy. Like that's, you know, he, he's really uh, admiring this older cousin in this way because he looks at his family mom and dad and it's like all right well mom like you know mom and dad you guys emotionally abused me mentally abused me sometimes physically like i hate my life here i want to kind of escape so he would kind of escape in these stories or in this narrative that was created for him uh by this older cousin so anyways you know kind of moving forward and whatnot what really kind of does it is uh at one point in time uh the older cousin uh that's feeding him these stories uh richard watches him kill his wife so that older cousin kills oh, his shit. wife in front of richard and uh he shoots her in the face you know and uh Damn, while he's cool. like already been pretty dis des desensitized from the stories just you know the drugs he was doing and then the family upbringing now he's seeing this kind of hero character in his eyes uh you know kind of kill his wife so show you know of course not only misogyny but just assault but also really kind of push this narrative of like oh this is just an object you know this isn't really a person in that way you know what i'm saying and that for him like i the, from what i've researched like the psychopathy of it i believe that's how that's pronounced the psychopathy of it is like it is huge you know what i'm saying because like for him at this point richard's like 13 you know what i mean so like still incredibly young while this is happening like and if you also look at the context of like where the world is at this time too so like this is uh like early 70s and whatnot so it's like you know a lot of these uh you know a lot of these kind of misogyny type of acts a lot of i mean none of these things have really left honestly but this was such much more emphasized at that time and still very emphasized today but was still there to the point where uh yeah he fell right into that you know what i'm saying just a mental trap uh actually kind of walked into it you know what i'm saying so anywho as time moves on you know uh richard like basically becomes this character that is goes on to terrorize uh, all of california so he moves from uh el paso texas to california and um just kind of skipping through some things to you know kind of stay on track with time but mm -hmm. he moves to california and when he does that um what's in the back of his mind is uh the all of these instances with this older cousin plus like how he looks at himself how he looks at the world a lot of interviewers were saying that uh, he had really just escaped into his mind and kind of just forgot about the physical body and really just lived in his mind in that way where he was able to control his reality at least from how he thought and um, that's what pushed a lot of the the killings and assaults and whatnot and what ends up going uh, to happen is when he gets over to California he gets his job and uh, of course he's working at a hotel and like he has all the key cards and whatnot the keys and all that jazz so he comes into this hotel room where a couple from out of town is uh planning to stay during a holiday on uh vacation and um the husband he goes to like pack some stuff in a car and then richard tries to assault the wife and then the husband comes in and i mean he just beats the brakes off of richard right and then after he does that what the couple thinks is a good idea they're like you know what we don't want any smoke like we're not going to press any charges and that was probably the worst thing that they could have did low-key but at the same time to that couple out there you know it's understandable they were just trying to uh at that time it's a different time but because of them doing that and him getting away with it they uh a lot of researchers have thought that that kind of pushed him forward in the way that they think that that enabled him to be like okay i can i can kind of get away with this you know what i'm saying so time in life continues to move on and then uh he gets to his very first uh, murder victim. So he didn't kill the last person, but he gets to his first murder victim and uh, he kills this 78 year old woman, breaks into her home, 
stabs her so much that her head almost just falls off oh, because of how much yeah. he stabbed her. And then, um, you know, of course, he sexually assaulted her as well, too. 78-year-old woman. Oh. And um, I bring that point up because what was very terrifying at this time in California was that uh, while he was out, you know, kind of doing his night stalking thing, just his, you know, doing a lot of these heinous acts, there was not a way to tell who would have been next. So very similar to the uh, last case there, um, you know what I'm saying? It could be, you know, it, it you could be black, white, didn't necessarily matter the ethnicity, the nationality, race, didn't matter socioeconomic status, didn't matter the age. I mean, you, you know, it could just be anybody. And what was another terrifying thing that was like a psychological terror was that all of these people, um, majority of them were all killed in their homes, which is, you know, in the mind, a place that you you think of as a comforting, safe space, you know. Jeez. So, uh, you know, but in his mind, he wanted to continue to disrupt that because um, how I think of it is his home life was so, uh, you know, just broken and just, you know, unconventional that anybody that had a home life, you know, was kind of his way of, uh, you know, kind of like his calling card in that way, if you will, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, real, excuse me, real like, real crazy with that. But um, one thing that I thought was uh, kind of crazy, so um, there is a documentary on a hotel in downtown uh, LA, it's called the Hotel Cecil. And um, there was a uh, very notorious case that was famous from that hotel, which was about a young woman who oh, yeah. uh, died because she had, uh, they found her body in the water tank on the, uh, yep. on the roof. Mm. Well, he had actually stayed at that same hotel, which was crazy because, um, a lot of uh, what that hotel was known for was a lot of kind of sketchier characters like that um, who would come through and a lot of serial killers that stayed there, a lot of uh, people who were committing uh, pretty heinous crimes and whatnot as well. So it was kind of crazy too that, uh, you know, just kind of like interesting uh, tidbit tossed it in there, but he had also stayed there as well and um, still never got caught from that. And one time he had actually uh, did 36 days in jail and it was actually because he stole a car, not even for the, for the mm. like, the crimes, not even for the, you know, the murders or anything, literally just because he got caught up stealing a car. But that mugshot from when that happened would go on later to, uh, you know, help with his arrest. So then, anywho, you know, kind of moving forward and whatnot, um, how he ends up getting arrested is that uh, basically an angry mob of uh, citizens who are just like, yo, we can't take this anymore. Like, you've been terrorizing uh, California for about the period of 14 months. And in that 14 months, you've killed 13 people. Uh, that that were like found there was probably more people that were never either found or bodies disposed of but primarily like it was 13 that they had on books and um an angry mob catches him uh he tries to flee on a bus and get out of california oh, and then people are like oh there's that richard ramirez dude and then they uh get him off the bus so then he tries to run and hop in a taxi then he gets pulled out the taxi so i don't know what he was thinking with that but then like a whole group of people come out and then, you know, they, you know, beat him up, we will get him arrested, essentially. And then, um, you know, he goes to court, you know, is on trial and whatnot. And um, how he ends up dying in the end, so like, basically, just a, kind of skipped it in, what ends up happening is he uh, actually passes away in uh, 2013 from cancer. Oh, so, wow. right. So it's kind of crazy, you know, in that way, of course, but, uh, but yeah. And um, lastly, too, as to kind of like, a couple interesting things, it's like, what I why I chose this person so like I was very interested in the psychology of kind of how this very notorious person came about and you know kind of that upbringing but also uh 
he was one of the only other serial killers. I think there might be a couple more, but he was one of the only other uh, serial killers that I've ever researched that also has a, like an angelic uh, number on them. So like I have a triple four on me, you know, that's part of just how I look at my life, but also like, you know, for the angelic reasoning behind it, whereas he has a triple six on his hand. Oh, and, no, uh, oh God. Yeah, nah, fuck that. And, he, uh, <laughs> up and you know, kind of like, hey, any last words, you know, he was basically like, you know, triple six, you know, hell Satan, da 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 da. And yeah. um, he was one of the, not one of the only serial killers, but he was a serial killer that a lot of people were incredibly afraid of, but also he had like a fan base too. Like a lot of women would visit him at uh, like his court cases, his trials, and, you know, we love you. Like, you know, we think you're so beautiful, you're so sexy. Like, you know, they were very intrigued by that, which he was I very thought was striking. very striking. You know, <laughs> he had a striking but, uh, look about him. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But, but yeah, so that, excuse me. So yeah, you know, that's pretty much uh, Richard that's Ramirez. Cool. But yeah, before he was the Night Stalker, he was actually called the Valley Intruder, uh, basically, because, you know, that's a lot of, in the valleys of where he was at, like he would just intrude people's homes or whatnot. But he wasn't really called the Night Stalker until a little later on that um, a lot of people started realizing that all of these uh, crimes and attacks that were happening at nighttime were happening from the same person. So like kind of going back to the police, not, uh, always necessarily being on target there. Um, yeah, they had no idea that all of these people that were dying or, uh, you know, getting assaulted sexually or whatnot, like all of that was one person. They they, they thought it was like just kind of multiple different people and shit. But uh, yeah, no, that was all him. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so yeah, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's our man, uh, Mr. Double R. That's yeah. crazy. I've, I've read a fair amount about Richard Ramirez too, and he, he might be like the most terrifying serial killer because... He, yeah, he attacked people in their homes. Like, not only that, like, I've read about him, like, sneaking in during the day and just chilling in the closet or whatever, oh, waiting for no. people to get home and then fucking them up in their room oh while they're sleeping. Like, he wouldn't, like, he wouldn't, like, audibly break into the house. He'd already be in there. Like, oh, fuck absolutely terrifying. Um, I think he was a, he was a process killer, right? Like, when it, when it comes down to, like, the different types of serial killers, is there's process killers, there's product killers. So some people are just after the body, um, and some people are after the actual experience of killing a person. And mm. every, everything that I've read is that Richard Ramirez was very much into the process of killing someone. He, he liked looking at the fear in people's eyes. He liked doing it in front of their family members. Oh. Um, wow. He was absolutely terrifying give me chills to think about it and and when i said striking really? earlier it wasn't really a joke it, you <laughs> look at that mug shot of him and he has like some of the most up. dead eyes that you'll ever see wow he's absolutely horrifying it's crazy that no, I, he, yeah because he um not to cut you off there no worries but, uh, no go no, ahead like just one more thing about that was like yes he was in, an incredibly like yes a process killer because he had actually had a case where uh it was a uh, vincent zazara and uh maxine zazara you know rest in peace to them but basically what he had did is he had uh, came into their home and then um vincent zazara so he was a police officer as well uh richard came in the home shot him in the head while he was asleep so he died instantaneously and then his wife um, you know, killed her as well to sexually assaulted her. And then he uh, gouged her eyes out and put oh. her eyeballs in a uh, jewelry box and then took them oh. with him. You know what I'm saying? So like, Fuck. he was very, very big into that, you know, and Jesus a lot of the, um, you know, the forensic the forensic investigators that would like look over these cases, they talk about uh, people who do post-mortem mutilation and kind of how that is a lot of the times, uh, really a, like a, a psychological thing, you know, really kind of tells you where 
that person is in their mind. Uh, because oftentimes, you know, people will kill someone, dispose of the body. That's kind of the end of it. But, uh, you know, for him to kind of back to that process that you're talking about, yeah, to, to kind of be one of those people, it really did kind of show a lot of the where he was at in his mind and where right. there was like such a disassociation from like reality, at least the, you know, reality that Jordy were in as opposed to the narrative that he created or that was being created based off of the upbringing, but also, uh, you know, how he was continuing to enable it in that way. So, yeah, he was... Yeah, he was definitely a case, man. You know, what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. yeah, to be to be in that state. Well, I feel like he's more mixed then because the he he's definitely into the experience of of murdering someone. But I I didn't realize that he took trophies. So the idea that that he's willing to like mutilate a body and then take the parts with him, mm. it, it I mean, there's a very specific psychology with someone that takes trophies uh, from a victim. It, it has to do specifically with having complete control over that person you now have a part of them and that is them and they may be deceased but you still have complete control you have a piece of them with you and you control where it goes you control what happens to it you control whether it decays or not it's it's that's fucked it's yeah i mean serial killers are fucking like if you want to understand humanity uh you know this is like the the absolute like extreme of it you know but there is still that theme though like they they got they get sloppy at the end he had a, he literally got arrested for stealing a car and he had a mugshot out that's because yeah. of escalation you know uh, serial killers always escalate like that's one of like the the main things about serial killers is that it's it's it comes from a deep seated desire to satisfy something that they're not getting in their regular life mm. and it becomes addictive and you have to keep escalating to get that same drug know, basically buzz yeah it, okay. it satisfies, you know, it releases dopamine in the brain when you murder somebody, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we have about uh, 20 minutes left for each person. So okay. let's get into All yours, right, Joe Dirt. All right. So I have two. Um, I'll make them, make them quick because they're actually two separate, you know, okay. serial killers. The first one is uh, Darren Vaughn. Now, this guy's interesting because uh, the reason he got caught was... Uh, honestly on some like you really lost it type shit like he just couldn't not kill somebody Hmm. and so he like so he was this dude uh from the midwest um and his mo was like sex workers he would just kill sex workers um he's a pretty strange pretty strange dude had he seems like he had a pretty rough uh upbringing he was in like a lot of group homes uh, and he talked a lot about like being abused in the group homes. But the funny thing about it is uh, he had actual like blood siblings that said that the things he was ex- or the things he said he was experiencing was not actually what was going on. Yeah. He he said that he like joined a gang and there was some like guy named Big E that was like his big homie that was like, you know, teaching him all the shit. But all in all the stories of his upbringing and like the people that actually knew him are two different stories and so you never really know which one's real um he uh he he's basically uh in the midwest uh gary indiana to be specific that is a huge spot where people just fucking go missing and nobody knows what happens to them and that's where he operated um he would just uh basically 
you know, call up sex workers and get them alone. And he would do whatever to them. You know, he would sexually assault them, then murder them, get rid of their bodies. Uh, with the craziest part about it is that people in the city knew that he was doing that. Damn. Like they all like knew that he was doing that. But because of the crowd he ran in, none of them would go to the police because he was a guy that, you know, did drugs hung out with a lot of sex workers, hung out in a lot of abandoned houses with just random people, you know. And so uh, all in all, uh, yeah, he just was murdering a ton of sex workers. And uh, and he got caught because he was fucking sick. But he was like watching his nieces and nephews and he just couldn't hold the urge in. And he left them there to go kill some like some girl. She was like 18. Uh, her name was Africa Hardy. And he killed her and he she was like way outside of like the type of people that he would kill because they would all be sex workers, but they would all be like older and on drugs. And, you know, somebody who who society would not really pay attention to. But this woman was like 17, 18 years old, you know, just like, you know, fresh out of school, like, you know, just getting to know what life is about and. You know, and he murdered her. And because of that, uh, he got caught for everything else he did. He did murders in like Texas, uh, from Texas to Indiana, just whatever that straight line is, all those states, mm. he's done murders in each of those states. Damn. And he can't even remember how many people he's how many people he's murdered, which is, yeah, that dude's been doing it for a minute. Um, but yeah, that one I was just more intrigued by, like like the community like what the fuck are you guys doing just letting this motherfucker kill all these people and not saying like if i knew somebody was killing people i'm snitching no matter who straight they are. up like, i mean that I'm, was that was like a big problem with police and in, in like the idea of like what's it called less dead the when it's sex workers like police just don't fucking respond to those calls Damn. really yeah it's oh, pretty shit. fucked up i mean I don't, it, it it i mean i'm not gonna say it doesn't happen anymore it fucking happens yeah, it, it's fucking definitely awful. yeah and like Gary, Indiana is still known to be a place where, you know, like people just go missing and nobody says anything. It's just a rough all. city to grow up in in general. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first dude. Uh, pretty short, simple. Uh, it's also a black serial killer, by the hey. way. So that was like a rare one. right? Well, nah, I don't want to say rare, but like you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, two black serial killers so far. Or three, yeah, I guess, if you count three. the kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, wait, what about Richard Ramirez? Is he Mexican or? Uh, yeah, he is a Latinx, yeah. Okay. We're right. very diverse with our serial killers. Yeah. Um, my second dude is Israel Keys. Oh, um, shit. Okay. This dude was very interesting to me because of his methods. It was, it's, it's really, like, intricate, thought out. Uh, so, he, uh, was from Alaska, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, uh, it starts off there's a woman that was working in like a coffee like one of those like individual coffee stands with one person working in it mm. and he basically abducts her uh and they have like all this video camera footage of what's going on but they see what happens some dude in the mask comes in pulls her <laughs> out of there does whatever um this man does that does whatever he does to her and then goes on a cruise for two weeks mm. And then comes back and starts sending text messages from her phone to her boyfriend and like leads them to some park or whatever. Uh, 
they find a picture of her i believe um and uh after that happens he then starts texting them asking for ransom you know making them believe she's still alive and you know alive and well um they're supposed to track the bank records to be able to catch him immediately when he starts taking money out didn't really happen that way um then uh they basically they they start getting all the video camera footage from all the places he was withdrawing money from and they realized it was a white ford focus in every one of those videos and so uh i believe he was in uh he was in one of those midwest states and uh, a state patrol officer seen the car and just decided like yeah this is probably the dude and then when he gave him his license and seeing that it was from alaska he was like yeah this is definitely the guy mm. um police you know get him he's in custody um then that's when they find out this man basically like he goes to cities before he's gonna kill somebody like maybe even like two years before and he will bury a bucket of like all of his killing supplies you know what i'm saying and then he'll come back and and he'll just find somebody the perfect opportunity to kill somebody like he wasn't like i'm gonna break into somebody's house and do this to them like he'll be like oh you're working in this place by yourself this is a perfect person to kill because nobody will notice you're gone like immediately so like he's just like an opportunist killer almost you know but he was just so meticulous because he would go to all these places bury a bucket of murder supplies and then go and murder people randomly and he just traveled all over the place within the United States, right. traveled internationally. So there's really no telling how many people he's killed. Um, he also, like, was into necrophilia and mm. just, like, mm. it's a bunch of, you know, just serial killerists, like, type stuff. He Product had a... Killer. He, yeah. Is he this more a, modern, by the way? Cause yeah, dude, he uh, he passed away in 2012. Okay. So it wasn't was too long ago. Um from like i believe if i'm like the 90s like late 90s up until early 20 was this the guy i i think i've i've listened to a podcast about this guy before Mm -hmm. was he the one who's who's like also like an indie singer songwriter oh i don't know maybe he was maybe he was he wasn't (laughs) if i remember correctly he wasn't very good Uh. but I think that might be the guy because I remember a guy from Alaska who who like left to go and like play music and then they didn't catch him because he killed in all these different cities and uh, you know in the 90s especially police police departments just were not in contact with each yeah. other they have all these weird fucking rivalries like high school sports teams <laughs> they're like no I will not send you that document that is my case yeah. <laughs> and it's... so like if you're going across state lines fucking kill all you want yeah it's pretty sick because like that as far as all the serial killer stories i've heard like that seems to be the most effective way to be a serial killer is just killing a bunch of different places with different jurisdictions yeah Yeah. and that was his thing too like he's making sure that he kills people that he has no connection to so you'll never actually know that he did it he actually said that everybody he's killed is just a missing person like they're not even counted as murders and they haven't he said they haven't found anybody that he's killed except one person and he wouldn't even tell him who that was 
Damn. And so yeah. like. So he didn't get caught up because of the the girl phone on the cell phone or. That's yeah. He got caught up because he was trying to get ransom. That he never asked for anything from anybody. He just kills and moves on. But this one time he decided to ask for a ransom and. That's he got caught because of it. Yeah, yeah. Got too greedy. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened with my serial killers too. Mm. I forgot that part. They asked for a ransom randomly. Yeah. Like after a while, people just feel like I guess they have enough of a. I mean, the way you were building that factor. story up, it sounded like they wanted credit. Like, yeah. Leaving bloody handprints on shit, like. Yeah. You, you want to get caught at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that's Alaska's actually one of the main, one of the top like serial killer capitals. Oh. Washington's like I think it. We're pretty high up there. This is all relative. I think it got bumped down to like oh. five or something. <laughs> still pretty fucking bad. We're pretty high up on the suicide list though. So yeah, like, you know we're we're still we're still doing doing pretty. We're competitive. We're competitive. There's <laughs> just know? so many places to hide. I guess too, right? Yeah. Well, I, my family's from Alaska. Um, oh God. My yeah, I know. <laughs> no, wow. I mean you know I'm not gonna corner an abuse anywhere. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. Like it's like. You know, it's it's a state that's the size of a third, I think, a third of the square mileage of the contiguous U.S. Um, mm. And it's just all fucking trees. Like, like the largest city, I think, has like 100,000 total. Wow. Um, and there's, there's like maybe three cities that qualify as cities, which I think the cutoff for a city is 70,000 population. Mm. Um, you still get paid to live in Alaska? Oh, yeah, baby. Uh. Oh, yeah. They give you... I mean, that's why my aunt is still, like, even able to afford food up there. Because they just fucking send you a check every month. Wow. It's just like, thank you for letting us ruin this state by (laughs) continuing to take all the oil. (laughs) God. I bet, especially now, like, when you watch, like, TV shows and movies, people are getting, like, burned in, like, acid and stuff. I wonder if that's more common now. So, like... You wouldn't know if people were killing oh, yeah. people or not. Oh, yeah. I'll bet that after watching, like, Breaking Bad has yeah. let a lot of people get away with killing people. That's super unfortunate. Yeah. But the thing is, with that acid, you like, you got to do something with the acid at the end. Oh, you know true. what I'm saying? So, like, drink it. You got to slip it down. See, then that's suicide. <laughs> that's like, that's what turns into a Mortal Kombat thing. That's what makes our state competitive. <laughs> you know, like, Mortal Kombat, where, like, the fatalities, like, you're, like, you're, like, guts are hanging out and stuff i yeah. feel like that's what would happen like you drink that and like a whole like it's burning i think it would even it make it past your mouth your jaw would just probably oh yeah. god uh, yeah that's true <laughs> fuck <Gross. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> oh this is yeah so who was who was more fucked up do you think your first one or second one um i think the the second one was more fucked up because like i've heard stories about the first dude but the second dude like how, like that's crazy like like Israel Keys is famous. Yeah, like, he's a he's a very well known serial killer. Yeah, it's the method is is what's crazy to me because it's like, like years before you go somewhere, you just bury this bucket and like mm. you just know one day you're gonna go back there and kill some people. Like, yeah, anticipating it, kind of looking forward to it. I kind of you know? think of like, him as like a really fucked up squirrel. You know, uh, just burying yeah. nuts everywhere. I don't even remember where I buried them all. I'm yeah. sure there's some around here. Dog, they only, he has so he has five murder buckets, and they've <laughs> oh only found god. two. Oh my god! Oh god, it's like geocaching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, or you know when people are like, "I miss being in Hawaii," and there's like a throwback picture. Yeah. He's like, "I miss being in Detroit or wherever." You know, can't wait to go back. What <laughs> he's seen a red bucket. <laughs> It's not murder. Don't look. Don't look in it. It's (laughs) private. (laughs) 
<laughs> God. I'm glad we're able to laugh, even though we're talking about fucking murder. I mean, what else can you do, man? Oh, God. <laughs> God. Okay, Kyle, what's, what's your uh, serial killer? Oh, Brian, we didn't even let Brian talk about it. What? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no you good, you good. No, I mean, I, I just uh, chimed in a thing where I said, yeah, you got to laugh to keep from crying, so yeah, I feel yeah, it. I know, I know. What are, your, what are your opinions on these two guys? Oh, no, that's just crazy, man. Like, the, the murder bucket thing, I think, is funny because it's like, what a uh, what a weird way to do a time capsule. You know? Yeah. Like, normally, <laughs> it's the you know, worst time capsule ever. You know what I'm saying? Normally, it's like, hey, let's fill this with, uh, you know, memorabilia, photos of family and friends, loved ones, uh, good moments. But uh, this one yeah, will put a gun in it. Some fucking sixth grade class <laughs> in 2050 digs it up and they're like, oh. Do y'all oh, see this no. revolver? <laughs> <laughs> You know oh. what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's just, just crazy. Oh, oh man. Okay, Kyle, your turn. Okay. Uh, so, incidentally, I am doing also a uh, a named serial killer from uh, California in just the 70s. bring the mic a little closer, by the way. Oh, sorry. No worries. I'm just leaning back. <laughs> Lean back. Uh, <laughs> my serial killer is Richard Chase, the vampire of Sacramento. Jeez. Mm. Um, and he... Uh, represents everything that I uh, the opposite of everything I was talking about earlier he's a person who I think may have just had his brain in backward from from the day he was born he actually had um, a pretty decent upbringing like his parents were pretty normal middle class people who like he was born in 1950 first off um, and there, there's the, there's an interesting thing about that period of time from the 1950s through the 1970s, which was considered to be the golden age of American serial killers. Mm. And it actually corresponds with the time period in which we had the most lead in the atmosphere uh. um, from leaded gasoline and lead in paint. And after 1978, uh, there were a bunch of laws put into place to keep lead from infecting all facets of our daily lives we took lead out of gasoline we took lead out of paint wasn't it like face paint at one point it'd like melt people's faces off or some shit oh it just oh correlates God. really strongly with with lowering your iq and with making you more violent <clears throat> which is why you know baby boomers need to not be in office anymore mm. um <laughs> had too many hot wheels in their mouth yeah <laughs> you know just gotta stop eating all those paint chips <laughs> off the ground grandma there's a lot of toxic chemicals maybe i'm thinking of the thing they did to like make glow up watches or whatever oh the, the mm. women that were licking the irradiation. Oh, that's yeah. what i was thinking yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 no there used to be some fuckery i mean there still is but we're we there's at least maybe different fuckery now oh god <laughs> watch out for your phones everyone oh god <laughs> they're listening you know who wants kids anyway um all right let's see <laughs> So, his name is Richard Chase. He's known as the Vampire of Sacramento. I know I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to breeze through this. Yeah, no worries. We've got, uh, got 20 more minutes for you, man. Okay, okay. Um, so, he is technically a spree killer. He only killed, I think, five or six people. Um, and he did it all in the space of, like, a month. And that's because the first killing took place, it, like, in the beginning of the month, and then he did, like, the other five in the space of one week. Um, but... He is like when I was talking earlier about, you know, mental illness and how I, I, I want to stress very, very much that if you have mental illness, you, people with mental illnesses are much, much, much like a thousand times more likely to be victims of violence than they are to be perpetrators of violence. Mm. That's really important to get out because this story is 
very much about the fact that this man had something wrong in our society was not capable of helping him um so yeah he had a pretty normal childhood like he, there was clearly something off about him like when he was young but like it's just because he was weird and dirty <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a lot of friends in school um he was like really really thin and tall he was a white kid um and and like you know, he had middle class parents and they were not abusive. They were very nice, but he was diagnosed very young uh, as schizoaffective. Um, and uh, that was because of an incident that happened uh, uh, where he. OK, actually, let's talk about first. Have you guys heard of the McDonald's triad? Mm-hmm. No, sounds like a gang. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a clown gang. It's just clowns coming out of the streets, beating you up. Um <laughs> Ronald McDonald specifically. Yeah, yeah. No, he's the most terrifying clown of all. Uh, the McDonald's triad is a psychological indicator for um, <laughs> serial killers. Specifically, it is um, three behaviors that if you if you're a serial killer, it's likely that you've you had you satisfy some of these indicators. Uh, they are in in adolescence before adolescence killing cats. I'm guessing. Yeah, killing animals. Setting fires mm. and peeing the bed. <laughs> oh, shit. I know, right? I feel like I've done that before. I think we all yeah. have. I mean, but I, the I, think, animal part, I don't right? think that alcohol counts. <laughs> the animal part, um, <laughs> you know. I was like, what was that first part? Of my <laughs> uh, yeah, animal cruelty, uh, ar- arsony, arsony um, and, and uh, bed, bed. bedwetting. Honey set fire to my weed. Consistent <laughs> bedwetting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he satisfied all fucking three of those. He did a lot of animal cruelty. Um, we're going to skip ahead to, like, when he was in, in college, or he was, like, before college. He didn't go to fucking college. But <laughs> before, he, like, when he was in that age range, like, 19 years old, he was living with his parents. He couldn't have a job. Mm-hmm. He was very, very, you know, just loud and weird. And he took the family cat inside and in front of his mother said, look, I have a cat. And she's like, okay. And then he shoots it in the head right in front of her. What the fuck? And she's like, ah! <laughs> and he just starts smearing the blood oh all over God. his body and his face. And he's just like, ah! <laughs> fuck! <laughs> you know? <Yo>. And... <laughs> Jesus. So they take... He gets committed to the mental institution. Oh, of course. Um, and while he's in there, like... Like, he starts talking about how he thinks his stomach was put in backward and that his hands were shrinking and that his penis was shrinking. I've been there. And (laughs) so, like, one day they find him in his room, like, with, like, birds that he'd caught out of the window and he, like, cracked their necks and was shrinking the birds. Oh, my God. What the fuck is wrong with this dude, man? And he, he's like, I just found them like this. Yo. They let him out of this place? <laughs> Eventually. Oh, fuck um, no. And he's just, like, rubbing the blood all over himself and Again. shit. And, like, he's just, like, he has a thing for blood. He wants the blood. Uh, so, like, one thing that that uh, is speculated is that this man had Cotard's syndrome, which is also known as walking corpse syndrome. 
Um, they're estimated to be like 200 people in the world that have this. Okay. Uh, and it's sort of the idea that either there's a bunch of different ways to experience this particular psychological phenomenon. One, one of which is that you believe that you have died and are now trapped in your own rotting corpse. Oh. And just walking around, you know, experiencing your body. <laughs> so he identifies as being dead. Not necessarily. It's more that he's really fucking worried that he's dead. Jesus. Um, and so, like, and Cotard syndrome presents in other ways that seem similar to hypochondria, one of which is, like, you're worried that your body parts are shrinking or that you don't have enough of a body part or that a body part has been put in wrong. Mm. Like, so he was, he talked a lot about how he thought his stomach had been put in wrong because he had stomach pains all the time. That's because he drank blood. <laughs> from animals and the reason Gosh. and I didn't say this before because we have to build to that right yeah. but the reason that he drinks animal blood is because he he's impotent he can't get boners and he thinks that the reason he can't get boners is because he doesn't have enough blood oh what? he's yes. on WebMD too much yeah so sounds like self-diagnosis <laughs> right there. this was he was, he was born in 1950 so this is like the the late 60s is when that's happening. He doesn't think he has enough blood, and he thinks he can only get boners if he drinks blood. But he was drinking animal blood. So I will say that after the bird incident, they did let him out the of the mental institution. Like, soon he after cured. the birds? <laughs> it wasn't long. He wasn't there for very long. Oh, my God. I don't remember exactly how long he was in there. But... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He was released into the custody of his mother, who had been trying to get him out for a long time. Jesus. And he was put on schizophrenia drugs, which in that time period, they worked, hmm. but at a serious cost. It was it was like basically like I think it was like lithium that he was on. Mm. It's, it's this drug it's like that the mood just stabilizer thing. Yeah, yeah, it it like basically blocks your ability to release and and process dopamine in your brain, mm. like, and you just turn into a robot. Like, mm. your brain just doesn't allow you to experience happiness or, like, the reward chemicals in your brain are just gone. Mm. Right? And his mother did not like how he acted on those drugs, and so she started to wean him off. I'm also realizing now, okay, the reason that he went to the mental institution was actually because he had been injecting himself with rabbit blood. Jesus. That he had he had been going to a rabbit uh, breeder and just buying rabbits every week. <laughs> and the rabbit breeder was like, you know, he buys the sick ones. He buys the old ones. He buys the young ones. He well, buys the fat and the skinny sick, ones. I, this guy is fucking supporting my whole business. Thank oh goodness for Richard Chase. Um, but that was why he went to the mental, mental institution. The cat thing happened after he got out. He oh. was living with his parents. And, and that was the reason that they decided to get him his own apartment in which he could live alone. Jesus. <laughs> so I do want to say that I think that, that, you know, this man was very, very sick. And, and he did have a craving, like, for... Well, it, impotence drives you to a lot of shit, you know? Like, not being able to get a boner sucks gotta get blue chew you gotta get you gotta you gotta be able to shoot man you know (laughs) like so like the fact that he connected blood with not being able to get a boner like 
I don't necessarily know that this is a nurture thing, you know, like it it, it could have probably been prevented if his mom hadn't taken him off those drugs. But like this man was not being helped in the way that he needed help. Right. And the the series of events that happened afterwards are fucking tragic (laughs) because he well, first off, I just want to fucking make a dig on police real quick in that they fucking found him naked in a field at 1 a.m. Covered in blood with a bucket of blood. And they took him back to the station, tested it and found that it was all cow's blood and just said, oh, okay, that's fine. He was shooting and sent him on his way. (laughs) And this was about a month before his spree. Yikes. Like, that was clearly an excellent, uh, uh, an escalation. He went from rabbits to dogs to large livestock, and none of those things were giving him what he needed, which was sexual gratification. And so the logical next step, of course, was people, right? Um, he didn't actually, like, take any blood from the first person he killed. He just sort of did, like, a drive-by shoot through somebody's house and killed a 53-year-old man in front of his family. Jeez just from the street. They didn't see it. They didn't know that he was there. They thought the man was just having a heart attack. He was just standing in the room with his family and clutching his chest and and he went down and died and it wasn't until, you know, they got him up and and took him to the hospital that they found the bullet wound. Hmm. They just, you know, he went like it's it was a 22, you know, the murder weapon. Like it's the standard assassination gun of the time. Um but after that, you know, he's like, okay, I can get, I, I can kill a person. I know I can do it. I think and I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the first step in the escalation, you know. The little serial killer that could. The little <laughs> serial killer that fucking could. God. Jesus. Um, it's a great title for this, if you. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> like, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> I don't really want to get too extremely explicit about this, uh, but I will say the next one was a was a woman uh, around his age, uh, a little older. So early twenties, or yeah, early twenties, I think maybe mid twenties. Okay. Um, I don't think that he knew her, and he went into her house. And this is one of the reasons they call it, not only because of the blood stuff, but but they call him the vampire of Sacramento also because he wouldn't go into people's houses if the door was locked. Mm. Yeah. He said that he literally said that he thought it was rude. Oh, yeah, because vampires can't enter a house unless they're invited. Yeah. (laughs) So he just walked into this woman's house while she was there. At least he has manners. God, I hate serial killers with no manners. Well, he just walked in, you know. Can he I just walked you, in, and he just, like, <laughs> shot her in the face. Oh. Like, he's a product killer. Um, he's a spree killer. He's a product killer. So he cared nothing about the actual act of killing. He immediately killed her by shooting her in the head. But then he's he went for the entrails. Like, he, he opened her up, and then he fucking took, like, oh. a Dixie cup out of the garbage can and filled it with blood and just started drinking it. And, like, he was wearing this orange parka. And this was like a thing that that like he was known as like like that people just saw him during the space of this week that he was going on the spree, like wearing a blood covered orange parka, just like acting erratically, running through people's backyards and shit in Sacramento. Jeez. Um, and so like yeah, he like he he takes her her open uh, chest cavity and just like dips the yogurt cup in there and just starts drinking out of it. <laughs> Jeez. Um. And I, I know I'm I'm running out of time, so there's just one more thing, which is essentially yeah. like you know he did that, 
and he didn't get caught. He stole her car, and then he he ditched it, and then he went to another house. I think this was just a couple days later. But all of these were taking place within a mile, within walking distance of the apartment that he lived in, which, according to all of his neighbors, smelled like death because it had the rotting corpses of rabbits and dogs in it. Mm. Um, Thanks, Mom. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) And uh, just... uh, he killed like he he walked into some family's house, and while they were getting ready to go on a ski trip, he killed all of them, including a six-year-old boy. And it all oh took God. place in the space of I think maybe ten twenty minutes. Um, they were about to go on a ski trip with their neighbors, and um, he killed. It, it was like a mother, a father, her two children, and and a literal baby, um, and. He killed all of them, and he drank the blood from the mother. Uh, he killed the little boy, and then he, um, while he was waiting, while he was trying to drain blood from the baby in the bathroom, he heard a knock on the door, and it was a little girl from next door mm-hmm. who uh, was sent over to check on them because they were taking too long to get ready for their ski trip with the neighbors. Mm. Um, and he didn't open that door and kill the little girl, thankfully. He Thank escaped God. out the back, but he took the dead baby with him. <laughs> and he just had it under his parka. What the fuck? <laughs> this nigga just had it football style, just going. Yeah, That's pretty much. Yeah, and he took it back to his apartment. And then, y- you know, the police, like, were following this and just like, what the literal fuck? This guy is not like trying to like hide himself at all the only precautions that he took was was he wore gloves oh. um but like some of these were so egregious and like they were within like a radius of like a goddamn mile around his house all of his neighbors like said that his house smelled terrible like like rotting at corpses um he was wearing a parka covered in blood it wasn't very difficult for them to find him and he ended up uh, in prison. Uh, they obviously tried to use the insanity defense. And it didn't work hmm. somehow. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a case where it should have worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and I believe he died in prison of a drug overdose. And all of the other prisoners were so terrified of him that they were actively trying to convince him to commit suicide oh, while in the clinker. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to give a little time for thoughts. Scared prisoners. That's yeah. wild. God, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how to, how I feel about this one. That's Damn. just, I think this one wins, you know? <laughs> yeah, like for he sure. Gave no fuck. That's like zero fucks. Like most of these guys, like went to different states, you know. Like my guy went to like Jamaica to pick up his accomplished, then went to Washington yeah. D.C. You know, like everyone like is El Paso to California. Your guy mm-hmm. went to different places. Yeah. And this guy just. <laughs> he just wanted the blood, man. Backyard, Down the street. <laughs> like crazy. I said earlier, they just sometimes they just want the blood. Wow, just <laughs> want the blood. It's original Playboy Cardi. Yeah, this is. <laughs> That's wild, man. Serial killers that are crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that I've ever like that's why I wanted to talk about Richard Chase is because there's a lot of serial killers that are really famous that like a lot of people sort of know the mo of, but like I just think that the psychological profile of Richard Chase is just fascinating. Yeah. Number one, because he thought that his body parts were shrinking and that he didn't have enough blood and he could supplement it by intaking other people's blood. Why didn't he just go to the doctor and get a blood test yeah, or something? Man, they got blood no, he went to the doctor and, and they said, you have schizophrenia. We're going to give you these drugs. And uh. 
it's it, it you know it's a it's a psychological disorder. I don't I don't think that you can really um, reason. like reason yeah. with it. It's it's very very difficult <laughs> to reason Damn, with someone in the midst of that. I would have just robbed the blood bank to be honest. That, <laughs> like, damn. Yeah, sounds crazy. Huh? Jesus, that's. Oof. Yeah, you go from that to like uh, Ted Bundy, who was just like supposedly like a really nice guy to people like he had girlfriends. Like everyone thought he was a cool dude, even when he was killing people. Versus like you know my guy, he yeah. was kill. He he had PTSD and then like lost all his friends and family and we just went psycho. But it's crazy to see how different how many different levels there are of serial killers. Richard Chase yeah. is like an anime like I'm eating people in here go away kind of villain. Like. <laughs> It's it's wild. You know what I just thought about? Uh, the second guy I was talking about, yeah. if he was having sex with dead bodies, he had a girlfriend and a kid. Like, was he not putting, like, worms in his girlfriend by oh. having sex with a dead body? Forget it. Let's yeah, just not let's, even go uh, down that rabbit hole. Well, get, get tested, folks. <laughs> yeah. Let us know if you guys enjoyed this episode. <laughs> you know, like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you get for asking me on this fucking podcast. Let us know if you want us to do a serial killer part two episode. Um, serial killers are very fascinating, and uh, I'm happy to say no one in this room or podcast are serial killers. I I hope <laughs> not me. And uh, who? Let's also decide who won the costume contest here today. I'll let Oli decide. Actually, our producer. Honestly, Gimli takes it. Gimli. Really? I'm, Gimli takes I'm just, it. I'm literally okay. just wearing a, a cloak. It's He's wearing a Snuggie, but okay. Yeah, okay. No, I feel it. All right, man. I'm into it. I fuck with yeah. it, man. I, I fuck with it. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I needed, I needed, honestly needed a win, you know. Yeah, yes. there we go. He, he needed a win. Let's, let's pray for his van. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. Ugh. <laughs> He got a he got a My smash got and smashed leave. Out. He just got a mm-hmm. smash and leave. And then, like, I had, like, $5,000 worth of musical equipment in there, and they didn't take any of it. Wait, do you have, wow. is there a possibility that it just got too cold and the window just exploded or something? You know, I really wonder. Yeah. I really wonder. Was it because, like, it? like it, there was nothing taken from it. The window just shattered. And it's, it like, it could have been a rock or something. I don't know. Like, it wasn't, it like, broken. It was actually just shattered. Yeah. Do you have, an, you have a ring? You know, like a, like a ring doorbell or something or a security camera? Hmm. Oh, I'd par- my car is parked around the corner from my house because we don't have enough space in our driveway. I feel vans mm. are big anyways. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, um, this has been another episode of the BBC Podcast. I'm your host, Blake, with my co-host. Boy, Brian. And our two guests. AJ. Kyle. And uh, we did it. What's Actually, what's the easiest way to reach everyone? You could... You could follow the BBC podcast on the actual NAS podcast page, just Instagram NAST podcast. It's just a second podcast inside within the NAS podcast. And uh, that's where you can find uh, the BBC podcast. Uh, and you can reach out to me. How do you, how do you reach out to Brian? Uh, emotion underscore isn't underscore weakness on uh, IG and then uh, BRY444N on all platforms, spiritual influencer and artist. You can find your boy on uh, any of those. Awesome. Yeah. What about you? Uh, you can type in Blackskin, B-L-K-S-K-N-N, on any social media and you'll find me. Or you can just type that in and put .com at the end. And at the bottom, you click any of those little things and it'll lead you to all my social media. Hell yeah. And check out the Blackskin NAS podcast interview. Yeah. It was a fun one. Yeah. And now finally, Kyle? Uh, you can find my band online, 
by just typing in Apology Wars. We're on Insta, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. We have our own website. Pretty much works the same way that, that, that Blackskins did as yeah. well. It's a great band name, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Hell yeah. And we did it. Thank you so much, everyone. There we go. Yeah.